into the Christmas story this morning and learn some truths. I, if you still need the notes, by the way, you can raise your hand and the usher should get those to you. But uh, the notes should be there in the bulletin. If you have a bulletin, the notes will be in there. And uh, you can follow along this morning as we go through that. But Luke chapter number two, and we're going to learn this morning that Jesus is the reason that we can trust, that we can trust. And so hopefully it'll be a, an encouragement for you this morning as we go through this passage and learn some truths about how we can trust him this morning. Luke chapter two, we'll read verses one through verse number seven, verse one through number seven of Luke chapter two. It says, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife, wife being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for the truth that we can find in it. And I pray that as we study this passage that we would uh, be... Uh, willing and ready to receive the truths that are found here about trusting you. I pray, Father, that we would have uh, nothing distracting us this morning, that we would have our focus uh, totally on you and on your word. Thank you so much for coming to this world. Thank you for the sacrifice that you have made and why we celebrate this season of Christmas. We, we realize this morning that it's not because of the gifts that we give and it's not because of the songs that we sing, but we celebrate the person of Jesus Christ, the birth of our Savior. And so we ask, Father, now uh, that you would uh, fill us with your spirit, fill me with your spirit as I preach the message this morning. May I communicate with clarity uh, the truth that you have uh, in for us in this passage. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lead not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That's what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 say. 
You know, no matter how close someone is to us, it's never easy to trust. No matter how much you know someone, no matter how long you've known them, trusting is something that we all struggle with. Each and every one of us struggle with trusting someone and just really trust itself. And I believe that one of the greatest challenges that we face as Christians is learning simply to trust God. You know, I read an interesting fact uh, this week that I thought was just mind-boggling. Do you know the African Impala can jump over 10 feet high, and it can jump as long as 30 feet in length? So 10 feet high, 30 feet in length, that's what the African Impala can do. And yet, these creatures can be corralled simply with a three-foot wall. You build a three-foot wall around them. Though they can jump 10 feet, they won't jump the wall. And though they can jump as far as 30 feet long, they won't jump that far. And the reason is that they will not jump unless they can see the other side. Unless they can see where their, their feet is going to land, they will not jump. You know, as I read that, I just thought about many times in our Christian lives how we can stay corralled spiritually. How sometimes God wants to teach us some great things, but because of a spiritual three-foot wall in our life, we can't simply trust God and jump. We can't simply trust God and go forward. And some of God's greatest gifts, some of the greatest joys that you experience, some of the greatest blessings that God has for you only comes when you learn to trust him. When you make that something part of your life. Now, I say all that because as you go in Luke chapter 2, as you read this story, I want you to notice that there are areas, three especially, three areas in this story that I want to look at about trusting God that each and every one of us have to learn to trust God in in our own personal Christian life. I want you to notice that Mary and Joseph on this Christmas story, uh, they were having to learn to trust God in their life. And had they not trusted God, we may, uh, they may have missed some of the greatest joys and the greatest gift that God had for them. So I want to just look at three areas, three critical areas where we must learn to trust God in, the, in our Christian life this morning. Notice with me, first of all, that we must learn to trust his providence. Learn to trust his providence. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. We have to trust God's providence, and we see God's providence here in the first three verses of this chapter by, by having something happen in Mary and Joseph's life that they were not ready for, something that they were not really prepared for. Four. Now, I like what Corey Ten Boom said. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Trusting in God's providence is trusting him through unforeseen circumstances. Now, let me just give you a quick definition of what circumstance is. It's a fact or condition connected with or relevant to an event or action in your life. In other words, something that happens to you, right? A circumstance is something really that happens to you. Now, I want you to understand, Mary and Joseph here are now preparing for the arrival of Jesus. The angel has already come to Mary and told her that the baby that she will have is uh, the Son of God. 
Mary, uh, the, the angel has already gone to Joseph and told him, listen, right now is not the time to divorce Mary. Uh, that, that child that she is bearing is not because she's been unfaithful to you, but simply that it's the Son of God, the Messiah, will be coming through her. And so uh, he makes that decision and the choice, as we learned last week, to, to stick by and obey and trust uh, God through obedience in that situation of his life. But, but now, as they're preparing uh, for the new arrival of this new baby they've never been parents before uh, and and now uh, the Messiah the Savior is going to be born and and I can just imagine that Joseph is now preparing everything for that uh, I, I don't know if Joseph was like uh, like me when uh, when our first child came I I, I thought I, I I could put things off until uh, suddenly uh, before you know it, it's, it's eight months or nine months in and, and that baby's coming in, in, any, in, any, in the next couple of weeks and you're going, oh my goodness, I, I haven't really prepared as I ought. But, but you, you start uh, getting the room prepared. You start trying to buy things uh, uh, like diapers and, and things that you're going to need and, and a car seat for your car that sometimes you don't think about those things. And, and you, 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 you go look uh, at Walmart or Target and you're looking for a crib of where you're going to lay this baby, where it's going to sleep. And, and you start making all these preparations and I imagine that Mary and Joseph were doing just that I imagine that Mary and Joseph were were already preparing okay let's let's see uh, uh, in the betrothal period remember in that betrothal period when when you were espoused to someone the husband would go and begin to prepare the home prepare the place where uh, they were going to live their life together as a married couple they were not living together in the betrothal period but it was the time when the husband was making all the preparations for where they were going to live and what they were going to do once they were married so I can just imagine that Joseph's already getting ready trying to uh, get the room ready where this baby's going to be and, and get all his house ready. And, and he's preparing for all of what is coming, that, uh, that what comes with you know, being a new father and, and having a family. And I can imagine as he's getting prepared, as he's doing that, perhaps every day he's talking to Mary and saying, hey, countdown's getting closer, and I know that baby, how are you feeling? Is it coming? How, how, how close is it? How do you feel it's going to, uh, uh, you know, what, what's the timeline that you feel that this baby's going to be coming? And, and she's probably telling him, yeah, it's going to be soon. I, I see it. My, my stomach's getting a little bit bi bigger, and, and it's starting to weigh down a little bit, and I feel like this baby's going to be coming really soon. And, and I can just imagine as they're making preparations for all that, maybe they're in the, the center of the city and this talking about it when finally this Roman messenger comes and the Roman messenger says to all of you here in the city of Nazareth there's a decree Caesar Augustus is having a census and a taxing to go with that and everyone needs to go to their own city now I don't know about you but that must have been some shocking news for them here they are preparing for the arrival of the Savior, and this shocking news comes and says, what? Now, the city of Nazareth is about 65 to 70 miles away from Bethlehem. And back then, there was no uh, you know, Ford F-150 to take. There was no really easy way to get down to Bethlehem. And now, throughout all of their preparation of what was coming for them suddenly this new circumstance arises something that was unforeseen something they never expected do you know that God's providence works through unforeseen circumstances in our life you know just when it seems like everything is finally starting to settle in it seems like God sometimes through providence begins to bring an unforeseen circumstance in our life Mary and Joseph were not exempt from that 
they came to a point where they're in this time of preparing suddenly confronted with this reality. We got to go to Nazareth. I mean, we got to go to Bethlehem from Nazareth. We, we have to go. There's a decree. There's no, it wasn't an option. It wasn't if you want to go back to your city. It was everyone go back to your own city. And it really doesn't matter if you, uh, if you have five children, ten children, one child. Everybody needs to go. Going back to that city where, you're, uh, where you were born, where your lineage is at. And so they're making now uh, these preparations. Now, let me ask you this morning. Have you ever noticed in your life and been confronted by unforeseen circumstances? Has anything ever happened perhaps at your job where you were going great and it seemed like everything was going smooth and then, boom, a circumstance happens? Something you didn't expect? Or maybe you and your wife were saving up some money and you say, man, this Christmas we're going to go on vacation, we're going to have some fun and we're going to take the whole family and then a circumstance comes up. And now you can't take that vacation. And suddenly that money that you had saved up for that goes to something else like a hospital bill or a, a maybe a, a financial bill that you didn't know you still owed on or, or something like that. Just an unforeseen circumstance. I've noticed that life seems to be full of those. It seems to be full of unforeseen circumstances. And we find that Mary and Joseph found themselves in that kind of situation. And when you find yourself in that kind of situation, you have to understand God's providence has allowed this circumstance to come into your life. God has allowed this thing that you never thought was going to happen, happen. Now, let me just say, when you have unforeseen circumstances, that leads you into unwanted situations. Unwanted situations. Now, the definition of a situation is a set of circumstances which one finds oneself in. You have enough circumstances happen in your life, you find yourself that you are in a situation. Now Mary and Joseph are in a situation. The circumstance was Caesar Augustus says everyone's going to be taxed, go to your own city. That's the circumstance. Now here's the situation. Mary's almost ready to be due. Joseph was just finishing the house, and now they all have to move. What are we going to do? They weren't that wealthy. You can tell as you read it later in that chapter that they gave the poorest sacrifice. At the end of the chapter, you'll find that. Two turtle doves was for the poorest of Israel. That was the sacrifice that they had to give. So they're not very well off. And now they have to make a 70-mile trip from the city of Nazareth down to the city of Bethlehem. That, that is an unwanted situation. It was something that Mary and Joseph never wanted. They didn't plan for. They didn't think, oh, you know what? Hey, uh, next week we got to be traveling. Hey, next week we got to go to a city 70 miles away. You know, sometimes God allows that so we can learn to trust in his providence. You know that God allows unforeseen circumstances and allows unwanted situations to come into our life because there's something that he wants to fulfill in us. There's something that he wants to do. You see, life is full of unwanted situations. And it's in these times that you have to trust in God's providential plan. Do you know that God says that he will never leave you nor abandon you? If God will never leave you nor abandon you, and if God is in control of all things, that means what happened that you didn't expect to happen was by God. It was by design. God allowed that. God was controlling that to happen. 
You know, what seemed like the most unlucky situation for Mary and Joseph, what seemed like it was the worst thing that could happen was actually God's perfect plan. You see, God had already said 700 years before through the prophet Micah that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. Now, I don't think that Mary and Joseph knew. I promise you they probably would not have waited till she was nine months or close to being due to move to Bethlehem if that were the case. In fact, when the Magi, the three wise men, came to seek and asked the king, the king didn't even know. I don't know. Ask the, ask the, the rabbis. Go and ask them. Where, where is this Savior supposed to be born? Oh, in Bethlehem. Oh, okay. So I don't think it was common knowledge. It was something that I believe was something a little bit unexpected for Mary and Joseph. And yet it was right in God's plan. Can I encourage you this morning? I don't know what maybe has happened in your life. I don't really know uh, what uh, God's providence has led uh, you to. But sometimes God's providence, what he's working and doing in our life, what he's allowing uh, to happen in our life can sometimes be confusing. It can sometimes be frustrating. It can sometimes be scary. But it's in those times, precisely in those times, that we need to learn to trust God and say, you know, God, if you allowed this in my life, it's for a purpose. Paul told the Christians at Rome, uh, for, uh, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Paul said, I just want you to know that sometimes things don't seem like they're working out, but it's all in God's perfect plan. Sometimes you might get taken to prison like me and Silas one time had to in the city of Philippi. But God allowed that so we can uh, witness to one jailer who him and his house was going to get saved. Sometimes those things that seem like the worst things in the world is just God's providence in your life. Job 23.10 says, but he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Even Job realized in the trials that he was going through, sometimes God has a reason. God's providence is in this. And I want you and I to understand this morning that we can trust him even in those times where it seems like nothing is going our way, like it's something that was very much unforeseen and unwanted in our life. You know, in, in 1988, right before the Winter Olympics were going to be featured on television, there was a, a special right before that, uh, a television special that was going on, and, and uh, on that special, on that TV-like documentary uh, that was going on, uh, they were talking about blind skiers, and if you know a little bit about Paralympics, you'll, you'll know that in the Winter Olympics, they have those skiers that go down, I don't know how many of you have seen that, but they have two little flagpoles, and you have to ski through them, that's called slola, slalom, I think, or slalom skiing, but anyway, in the Paralympics, they actually have blind people that can do that. They actually get on skis and they will ski right through the flags. Now, the way that they trained them, and that's what this documentary was all about on television, was how that exactly happens. And what they'll do is they'll they'll get that that person that is blind and they'll pair them up with someone that that can see. And what they do is that they'll get behind them and they'll they'll begin to to get used to their voice and they'll tell them, hey, this is how you turn right. And they'll show them, they'll, they'll not show them uh, obviously visually, but they'll, they'll show them physically and they'll, they'll tell them how they'll, they'll, they'll move their body and this is how you move to the right and this is how you move to the left. And, and they'll get used to their voice and then they'll go out to a small hill and then they'll try it and they'll, they'll practice together and then they get to a more difficult hill and they'll practice together. And, and it comes to the point where they get ready 
and they learn it so well that as they go down, and, and the way they do it is you have that person that's behind you, that, that person that is your guide. The blind person, each blind person has a person that is their guide that tells them. And as they go down that difficult hill, they have to be listening, and they'll tell them when to turn right, when to turn left, where that pole is, how far they are, and how to get through those, uh, those flags. And it amazed me as I read that because, you know, the Christian life and God's providence is, is much like that. We don't always see where the flags are. And we don't always see, and you can't always see where God is leading you. But it's important as you're going down that hill to listen to God's voice when he's saying, go right, go left, slow down. Why? Because he's the one that can see it all. And God's providence is trusting the person that can see it all. The person that's saying, I want you to go here, and I've allowed this to come into your life, and, and I know this seems like it's out of, out of hand, and it seems like you don't understand what's going on, but I want you to understand it's my doing. It's by my providence. And Mary and Joseph had to learn that it's by God's providence that they were going to have to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, 70 miles, because that's what God wanted for them. This morning, I don't know what is going on in your life, but can I just encourage you, just trust him. Trust that whatever it is that is in your life that feels a little bit frustrating and a little bit confusing, that that's just God's leading. Trust him in his providence. But the second area that I want you to notice that Mary and Joseph had to learn to trust was not only his providence, but his provision. His provision. Now look in verse number 4 and verse number 5. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. I want you to notice that we need to trust his provision as we follow his leading. Charles Swindle said, God never calls his people to accomplish anything without promising to supply their every need. How is it that we trust his provision? Number one, you need to trust his provision when you don't see a solution. I think about Mary and Joseph going down from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The decree has been made. It was a circumstance they didn't see coming. It was something that they really didn't want to be in that situation, but they're in that situation. It was God's providence working in them, but now they had a trust as they were following that leading in God's provision. Now, I don't know about you, but as you read the scriptures, you'll find that Joseph was a man that was a, a just man, a man that was wise, a godly man. He wasn't one that was always just going to be slacking. He wasn't one that was, was going to be unprepared in his life. He was, he was a responsible man. And I can just think, if you're a responsible man uh, today, you probably think this way. I'm sure he was thinking uh, as he's going down to Nazareth into Bethlehem going, what am I going to do? Where are we going to stay? <laughs> I mean, I, I know that's where I'm from, but I, I don't even know if so-and-so still lives. there. I don't even know they're still there. What if they've passed away? What are we going to do? Now, suddenly, the questions in his mind weren't, why is this happening? Now the question is, what am I going to do about it? How are we going to get this done? Uh, I remember uh, listening to different stories, and I love asking couples about uh, their first years of marriage because it seems like this question comes up a lot. What are we going to do? You know, we want new furniture. Well, how are we going to get it? I don't know. <laughs> you, you, you get into your first apartment, and, and you realize that 
Sometimes furniture doesn't come with that apartment. And you feel like, well, what am I going to do? How are we going to fill this place up? And then you look at your salary and you look at your bills and suddenly you're having to pay for your cell phone bill and it keeps going up. And then you got to uh, pay your light bill and sometimes you got to pay that, uh, that um, uh, water bill. And, and then you have all these other bills that begin to line up, your cable bill and things like that. And you're going, I don't know how we're going to make it. And the question becomes not uh, why is this happening, but what am I going to do about this? I, I can imagine that Mary, or at least Joseph for sure, was thinking, how is this going to work out? I mean, I have to go, but where are we going to stay? What are we going to do? It's in those kinds of situations in life that you need to begin to trust that God will provide. That God is a God that provides. You have to trust when you don't see what the solution's going to be. You can't be like that African Impala that says, man, if I can't see where I'm going to land, I'm not going to jump. No, you've got to be someone that says, listen, if God said it, then I believe it. If God said he's going to provide, then he's going to provide. But let me just say, when you get to a point in your life where you don't see a solution, you know what the next dilemma is? Is it doesn't add up. Even when you feel like you see a solution, then you start going through the math. You start saying, well, this isn't going to add up. This, this isn't going to work out. I'm sure at some point Joseph was saying, okay, you know what? Okay, maybe I, let's just go through the scenarios. All right, this is, this is tough, but I, I got to go down there. Now, I think, uh, I think, you know, pick a name here. Ezekiel, I think he lived down there. I'm going to see, you know, uh, if he has a place that maybe I could stay at. Now, in Israel, in those days, every home in Israel, okay, was made to have a, an adjacent uh, guest room. And any stranger that came through the city, uh, is, uh, Israel, the people of Israel were by commandment, by the law. If you read uh, Genesis through Deuteronomy or just even Deuteronomy, in the law, it stated that if there was a foreigner or a stranger that was coming through your land, you were to give them a place to stay. So maybe Joseph is thinking here, okay, well, if Ezekiel's still down there, then I, maybe I can stay at his place. Maybe, maybe no one's in his, uh, his guest room yet. And maybe it'll be okay. And then he's thinking, well, maybe, but what if it's not? Maybe then, I know there's an inn there, and people stay there, there there's a place to stay, but what if I don't have enough money? I mean, they were on a tight budget. It's not like he had all this overflowing money. I'm sure he had to have thought, when I get to Bethlehem, if, if there's no place to stay at Ezekiel, i got to go to an inn. How am I going to pay for it? How are we going to stay? I mean, all these questions must have come into his mind, and yet he had to trust that God was going to provide. Do you know, just like Mary and Joseph having questions of how is this going to add up and how are we going to meet these needs, we must also as they did, trust that God will provide. You say, where God guides, he provides. Someone has said, don't doubt uh, in the night what God gave you in the light. And that's just simply a, a way to say, we need to trust God when he says that I will provide for your every need. I like what, uh, what I think it's Philippians 4.19 says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. And God is always one that will supply. In Genesis twenty two fourteen, it says, And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. That, that name of God means the God that will provide. That's why it says, And it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Abraham said, I saw God provide on this mount. I know that the God that I worship, the God that I serve, is a God 
that will provide. I want to remind you this morning that God is the God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. God is not short on money. God is not short on resources. We might be short on money. We might be short on resources. But the God of the Bible, the God that we serve, has never been short on any kind of resources. He's never been short of money. You know what? What sometimes stops God's supply in our life is our lack of trust in him. I'll say it again. God, some of greatest joys and blessings in the Christian life can only come when we trust him. I have found in my life that when I try to help God in, in, uh, in areas that, uh, that require faith, I always fail miserably. I've noticed that my math is always bad. Every time I think I got it figured out, okay, I don't need to pray about this. I got it figured out. I find that I don't have it figured out. And God reminds me that I'm not as smart as I think I am. And that I don't have as much money as I thought I had. And God reminds me that he is the one that is in control. And he is the one that I go to for provision. That's why in the Lord's Prayer he said, and ask, give us this day our daily bread. He didn't say, and give us this life all the food that we're going to need as we live for the rest of our life. No, he said daily we need to be asking. Even something as basic as food. Be willing to trust that God will provide. Vance Havner, a, a very popular preacher one time, was telling a story about an elderly lady who was greatly disturbed by many troubles that were uh, in her life and and finally, as they were talking to her, uh, one of her family members said, Grandma, we've done all we can do for you. You'll just have to trust God for the rest. A look of absolute despair spread over her face, and she replied, Oh, dear, has it come to that? Vance Havner commented on that, and he said, It always comes to that. So just start there from the beginning. Just start trusting God from now. For the provisions that you need, the most basic provisions, just trust God will provide. Grab on to some of those promises in God's word that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll provide uh, some companionship, that he'll always provide all of your needs according to his riches and glory. It's a time where you need to trust. Mary and Joseph, though they were going to a place that they didn't really know anyone, that they didn't know how they were going to make it, they just had to trust God will provide. I want to encourage you and remind you this morning, we also need to trust that God will provide. Do you know that God will provide in your job? Do you know that God will provide in your home? God is not limited to only working just in a one area of the city, but he works all over the world. No matter where you find yourself, no matter where he moves you, God will always provide for you. And so I, I, I see this morning that Mary and Joseph had a trust in God's providential uh, plans. And then they had a trust that God would provide for them. But I want you to notice, thirdly, that they had a trust in his person. They had a trust in his person. Look at verse uh, number six. It says, and so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. I want you to notice that thirdly, they had to trust his person. You see, uh, Luke here, as he writes this story and tells us the story of the birth of Jesus, reminds us of a few things about who Jesus is in these two verses. Number one, he is someone that understands us. He's someone that understands us. 
I'll note, I want you to notice that it says, and, she, and she, um, she brought forth her firstborn son. Luke says, I want to remind you that he was a son. Jesus can understand us because he was 100% human. This speaks to the humanity of Jesus. He was limited to a human body. That means he can understand what it means to be tired. He understands what it means to be hungry, to be in a house with family. To have to get along with siblings, to have friends, to go to school, to, to have a job. Uh, he was a carpenter, to, to face life's situations. You know, he can understand us because he was human just like we are. The Bible says he was a firstborn son. He understands you and I this morning because he was 100% human. We find, secondly, that he can understand us because he was lowly. This speaks to his humility. You'll notice that it says that he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. You know, Jesus understands our hardships. Jesus understands what it means to not have all the luxuries of life. In fact, from the moment that he was born, he was laid in a manger. And let me just uh, uh, clue you in that the mangers there in, in Jesus' day were not the nice wooden covered in hay mangers that we see many times in our nativity scenes. In fact, if you were to go and visit Israel today, you would, you would see some of those mangers. And many of them were built with stone. And they were just the feeding troughs, obviously, uh, for the animals. And, and they were completely in stone because that was the easiest thing. It, it was the easiest material to find. And so I don't know about you, but if you've ever laid in something that is stone, it's not very comfortable. I, I can't imagine Mary and Joseph, knowing that this is the Son of God, knowing that this is the Messiah, having to lay him on a, uh, on a bed that was made of stone. But it reminds us that Jesus understands us because... Because he was humble. Because in his humility, he wasn't willing to be born in a palace and have all the luxuries of the great kings, though he is the greatest king. He was one that was willing to be laid in a manger. Luke reminds us he can understand us because of his humility. But thirdly, we find that there was no room for him in the end. This speaks of his reality. He understands what it means to feel like you don't belong, to be rejected, like there is nothing there for you. He understands what it means not to be loved by someone or to be betrayed by someone. He understands the reality in which you and I live. You see, this morning, can I say, Jesus understands you. He's 100% man. He understands when you get tired. He understands that uh, coming on Sunday sometimes can be a routine and sometimes can be a bore. And sometimes a Christian life is just difficult and it's just the same thing it feels like every day, day after day after day after day. He understands that sometimes things happen in your life that you weren't expecting, that were circumstances way out of your control. He understands that sometimes you feel like, I don't know how I'm going to make it and I don't know how we're going to pay this bill this month and, and I just don't know how we're going to make it this month. He understands you today. He went through it. He's 100% human. But I want you to notice that trusting in his person isn't simply saying, I know that Jesus understands me. But it's understanding that Jesus came to save me. Trusting in his person means knowing that Jesus came to save us. I want you to notice there in verse number 7, it says, And they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Now, this may seem like an insignificant phrase, but it holds one of the greatest truths for us. 
Do you know that the city of Bethlehem was known for one major indispensable service that it provided? It provided the sheep that were used for the sacrifices in the temple. Bethlehem was known for it. If you know anything about the sacrifices, you'll know that the sheep had to be perfect, spotless, without any blemishes. It had to be a perfect lamb. And the way that the shepherds there in Bethlehem did it is that uh, they would take care of the sheep and they would do their best to make sure that they were the best taken care of. But as the sheep were born, if you've ever uh, known or studied when sheep are born, in those first few hours when they're, when they're out of the, of the mother's womb, they, they begin to kick and sort of, uh, you know, they're trying to feel, they're, they're coming into a new world here and they're, they're trying to kick and move. And, and sometimes in doing that, they could hurt themselves. So what the shepherds would do there in Bethlehem is that they would get these swaddling clothes and they would wrap that sheep in it. And that way, there was no way that he was going to bang himself. There was no way that he was going to hurt himself. There was no way that they could have a spot or blemish on that lamb because he was wrapped. Now, the Bible says that Jesus is that lamb of God. Jesus wasn't just a lamb that was going to be sacrificed in the temple. Jesus was one that was going to be sacrificed for the sins of the world. The Bible says that he died not for just one or two people's sins, but for the sins of the world. And now, much like the lambs of Bethlehem that were there to be a covering for sin, Jesus was going to be the one that takes away all of sin. Trusting in his person is knowing that Jesus is the Savior of the world. You know that he didn't come to rule and conquer the world? In fact, he said, I have come that I may seek and save that which was lost. Jesus was one that was coming to save a broken and torn down world. I like what the scriptures say. They say, for the wages of sin and death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That little insignificant phrase that sometimes we read, he was wrapped in swallowing clothes, tells us that you can trust that he will save you. He is the perfect lamb of God. John 1, 12 says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. When evangelist Gypsy Smith got saved, an elderly gentleman explained to him the importance of trusting Christ alone. And Gypsy Smith would say this, he said, I cannot trust myself, for I am nothing. And I cannot trust in what I have, for I have nothing. And I cannot trust in what I know, for I know nothing. The only thing that I can trust is in Jesus Christ alone. Can I tell you this morning that as you trust the person of Christ, it means not only knowing and understanding that he understands you, but believing that he can save you. And this morning, if you have not made Jesus your Savior, then today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you need to put your faith in Jesus and in Jesus alone. Your works will not save you. Your money will not save you. Your your membership will not save you. Christ alone can save you. Now, how about you this morning? Can I ask, are you trusting in Jesus this Christmas season? He's the reason to be trusted. You can trust his providential plan. You can trust his abundant provision. You can trust. You can trust him to be your savior. The question is this morning, will you trust him? Someone wrote, trust him when dark doubts assail thee. 
Trust him when thy strength is small. Trust him when to simply trust him seems the hardest thing of all. Trust him he is ever faithful. Trust him for his will is best. Trust him for the heart of Jesus is the only place of rest. Let me remind you this Christmas season, you can trust him. Trust in his providence. Trust in his provision. And trust in his person. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and thank you for the truth that we find in it. I thank you, Father, that in this story, the Christmas story, we can find that Mary and Joseph had to trust you and the times in their life where it seemed like things were out of control. But they had to trust you that you would provide for them, that you would do for them what they could not do for themselves. I pray that this morning, if there be some in in this service that are going through something difficult, that something unexpected has happened in their life, I pray that they would trust that you, you've allowed it, that you have controlled that to come into their life so that we can turn to you. I pray that they would trust not only in your providence, but in the provision that you can give them. Oh, Father, may we all trust that you will meet our greatest needs and then father i pray that if there be anyone who is not trusting in jesus as their savior that this morning they would trust in him as we remain with our heads bowed and eyes closed perhaps this morning you're here and you're saying you know pastor i i've been here many times but i can honestly say that there's never been a time where i've put my faith in jesus christ But I would like to learn to trust him. I would like to have him be my savior this morning. If that's your decision, would you raise your hand? I I just want somebody to come and show you with the word of God that you can know that he is your savior today. Is there anyone like that? Then perhaps this morning you would say, Pastor, would you just pray for me? There are some things that are happening where I just need to trust God is in control. And I just need to trust that God is going to be providing for me and trust that he understands where I'm at. Would you just pray with me that I would have enough faith to trust God during this time? Would you just pray for me? If that's your your prayer, would you just raise your hand? God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. I see that. Amen. Father, this morning, I saw hands, but you saw hearts. And Father, you know the needs that they, each and every person that raised their hand, you know the needs that are in their life. I, I ask and pray that, Father, you would supply those needs. Father, give us faith to trust that you will provide, that you are uh, molding our life, that you have allowed these things to happen, that we might trust you more. And Father, now as we trust you this week, I pray that you would uh, uh, help us to be patient, help us, Father, to remain faithful uh, and to hold uh, strong and hold fast to the promises of your word. Father, may you speak to us, may you use us this morning, and may we, uh, by trusting you, be a light to others of what it means to truly have faith in you. Father, thank you once again for your word and all that you are doing, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.